Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. I am so excited about this month's episode. For those of you who don't know me, this is what I sound like when I'm excited. And look, it's not just because I'm one of the writers of this pilot and I'm really proud of it. It's because I love the three guys I wrote this pilot with. Those three guys are Trey Crowder, Corey Ryan Forrester, and Drew Morgan. They are the authors of the Liberal Redneck Manifesto. Maybe you know them from their YouTube videos or their Comedy Central videos or their well-read, that's uh, R-E-D, their well-read comedy tours or the well-read podcast. Um, These are three brilliant, hilarious, fully vaccinated Southern gentlemen. And the pilot we wrote together is called Middle of Somewhere. Though I don't know if any of us truly loved that title. Uh, It's just what it was called in the uh, last draft before it died. But whatever. Look, uh, that's the pilot. The parts of Trey, Corey, and Drew in the pilot are read by Trey, Corey, and Drew. The rest of our cast, Brody Gupta and Dylan Galula, uh, Beth Stelling, Keith Johnson, Jake Nordwind, Gemma Moore, and the incomparable friend, longtime friend of Dead Pilot Society, Steve Agee. Um, this is a really fun one. And look, you definitely need to tune in next week for my interview uh, with the guys, which we did in person, which was crazy. It's so much fun. Um, Hey, one more quick thing before we get to the table read. My friend and uh, frequent actor on this podcast, John Ross Bowie, has a new podcast. And I think you Dead Pilot Society listeners might really enjoy it. It's called Household Faces. And it's John, who's a very talented character actor, interviewing other character actors. First three episodes are out. I have listened to all three. They're great. They, They feature Martha Coolidge, Nestor Carbonell, and Alex Desaire. Now, if you don't recognize... All of those names, believe me, you'll recognize their faces. This isn't a paid plug or anything. I just really like the show. And it's produced by our very own Ben Blacker. So look, check out Household Faces. Uh, All right, that is... Oh, no, wait, one more thing. If you want to see the people reading this pilot, if you want to see their faces in the Zoom boxes, just become a Max Fund member. Just for as little as $5 a month, you'll get access to the video, all of our bonus content from past years, which is, you know, the the Zoom, the video recordings of the last of all the reads we've done since uh, this virus happened. And even before that, we did lots of bonus episodes you can't hear anywhere else. So go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And now enjoy Middle of Somewhere. Hey, it's John Moe. And look, these are challenging times for our mental and emotional health. I get it. That's why I'm so excited for my new podcast, Depression Mode. We're tackling depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, the kinds of things that are just super common but don't get talked about nearly enough. 
Conversations that are illuminating, honest, and sometimes pretty funny with folks like Kelsey Dara, Open Mike Eagle, and Patton Oswalt. Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. So he was in therapy. Plus psychiatrists, psychologists, and all kinds of folks. On Depression Mode, we're working together, learning, helping each other out. We're a team. Join our team. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Oh, my gosh. This is a weird one because I'm sort of interviewing the writers, but I kind of am also one of the writers. But uh, Trey Crowder, Corey Forrester, Drew Morgan, what's up, fellas? Andrew. It's great. It's so good to see you guys. So, um, oh, boy, this was a little <laughs> while ago, although it feels kind of like kind of like yesterday. What, what, what was it like uh, going back and reading this script after being away from it for a while? Uh, you know, I had a lot of fun with it, brought back a lot of memories just being, you know, sequestered over there before, you know, everybody had to legally be sequestered for, you know, worse reasons. But yeah, going back to the before times and we were uh, still, you know, fun was still legal and we were just living life, man. It was good. <laughs> uh, for me, rereading it, I was like, man, everything we argued with Andrew about, he was right, except for the women's prison joke. But other than that, I was like, man, we should have really listened to that guy every time. And then every time something was kind of corny, I was like, what was that? Oh, that was a note from the network. <laughs> Oh, man, I had I, like, you know, like Trey said, this was from the before times and it very much felt like it. Like as I was reading, it, I was like, man, I remember what it was like to write stuff without having to like shoehorn in a Zoom joke or a mask joke or something like that. And it made me feel very, very nostalgic. And it also made me uh, it made me go for a second, like it always does reading this going like, man, my stupid old hometown ain't so bad. You know, this sounds really <laughs> neat and charming. And then I remember that it was very, very fiction. <laughs> yeah. Then you looked out your window and someone was like burning a Marjorie Taylor Greene sign in the effigy to her. <laughs> well, it brought back a ton of, of great memories. And I'm glad we're reading this version, our favorite version before it got really messed with and made not <laughs> as good. All right, let's do it. This is Middle of Somewhere, written by Andrew Reich and Trey Crowder and Drew Morgan and Corey Ryan Forrester. It's the cold open. We're in Ollie's Bar and Grill. It's evening. This is a soul food place with a big open kitchen. They serve eight different types of gravy. The catch of the day is catfish and has been for the past 4,000 days. Corey, uncomplicated, everyone's best buddy, and Drew, opinionated and tightly wound, are at one end of the bar. <clears throat> oh, okay. All right. How about this? Drew Norton, even if you did it, I'll get you acquitted. Corey, I don't need a slogan. <laughs> Why not? Slogans is what made me the number one pork product salesman in all of Putnam County. Because I'm an attorney, not three eight-year-olds stacked on top of each other in a trench coat like you. Well, I don't see how the kid on the bottom would have the core strength for such a move, but sweet burn nonetheless. We hear Drew's phone ding with a distinctive sound. Ah, I know that sound. The ding of romance. Who'd you match with? Drew holds up his phone, which is open to a Tinder-like app. It shows a picture of an attractive woman Drew's age. Her name and town are below the picture. Nice. But, but Cosby Springs ain't that kind of far. Nah, only about two and a half hours round trip if I make the red light at Barnet Bridge. 
And we angle on Paige, a redneck hippie who tells it like it is. She's standing on a chair to hang a welcome home Trey and Katie banner in another part of the restaurant. Hate to interrupt two men not doing a damn thing, but could I get a little help? My brother and Katie are going to be here soon. Oh, right. Drew checks himself in the mirror behind the bar. Don't worry, Trey will love your outfit. That's not what I'm doing. Although this is Trey's favorite shirt. Paige snaps a bottle cap between her fingers and it hits Drew in the head like a bullet. Jeez, Paige. Next one, I'll have the bottle attached to it. Fine. A little higher, maybe. Paige sighs, exasperated. Then Amber, sweet and up for a good time, enters the bar and looks around. Oh, good. They're not here yet. I got stuck cleaning up my classroom. Betty Harrington's boy got sick on the alphabet rug. Oh, that sucks, babe. He did puke right on the capital P, though, which gives me hope. He's finally learning his letters. Ballard, can I get the usual? Al- Ollie's proprietor, Ballard, 50s ex-Marine, puts a box of wine on the bar and pours out a glass. Should I leave the box? Might as well. She puts her arm around Corey proudly. Put it on my fiance's tab. Hey, I noticed y'all's wedding invite didn't say anything about whether it was open carry. Didn't really think we had to specify a gun policy. (laughs) Gotcha. Concealed then. Amber, can you give me a hand with these decorations? The boys are useless as always. Sure thing, sweetie. She goes over to help Paige, who has gotten the banner hung and is now setting up balloons, etc. You happy your big brother's coming back to town? For sure, and it'll be great for Buddy to have his aunt and uncle around. But what's wrong? I don't know. I guess I'm a little worried that all that time up north will have changed them, you know? They already tend to think they were better than the rest of us. Honey, that's because they kind of are. Trey and Katie are the two smartest people to ever come out of this town. Of course they were going to want to leave. I'm just excited they decided to come back. Maybe not as excited as Drew. Drew is still indecisively adjusting his hair and clothing in the bar mirror. We go to Trey and Katie's car at the same time. Trey, a pretentious hillbilly, and Katie, Asian American with a dry wit, drive the country roads leading to their hometown of Crabapple. Trey speaks with a thicker Southern accent than Katie, though hers is perceptible. You really forget how beautiful of a drive this is. Yeah, and I've only seen two homophobic church signs so far. Yeah, see? Progress. Come on, I know you're going to miss New York, but it's going to be great being back home. And this city manager job is a chance for me to really move this town forward. They pass a road sign that reads, Welcome to Crabapple, Tennessee. Population 8,520, where time stands still. Hmm, I want to do something about that slogan. Yeah, I can do that. How about Crabapple, small town with a big future? That's not bad. Well, that's just the start. I got tons of ideas. We can turn the old railroad track into a bike path, move something into the old factory like a craft brewery, maybe start some kind of festival here, short films or something. That would be better than a festival devoted to girl cows. Whoa, whoa. Well, this would be in addition to that. I mean, I'm not talking about getting rid of Heifer Day. That's where we had our first date. I only said yes, because when I moved to town, you were the only kid who didn't ask me if I knew Kung Fu. I was afraid you'd karate chop me. Katie Katie laughs and playfully punches him. You know, Heifer Day is this weekend. We could uh, recreate that date if we want. That could be fun. But can we skip the part where we all place bets on which square a cow is going to take a dump in? The paddy walk? Are you disparaging the paddy walk? Yes! It's exactly the type of thing all those snobby New Yorkers think we do down here. Well, consider it gone. Not the kind of thing we do in Crabapple Small Town with a big future. I gotta say, I love seeing you this happy. She sees something out the window. 
Now, if only you could get rid of her, too. We see a billboard for a local realtor. She's got blonde hair and a super shiny smile and looks like she sucks. The sign reads, whether it's a house or a trailer, you can count on Crystal Naylor. Man, Crystal Naylor is into tooth whitener the same way Wes Anderson is into whimsy. How do you think they got her to smile like that? Tell her her neighbor gained 15 pounds? (laughs) What would prompt somebody to plaster their face all over a tacky billboard like that? And they pass another billboard plastered with Corey's gigantic face. He's holding packs of bacon like they're stacks of cash. The slogan says, ain't no fake in this bacon. And we go to Ollie's bar a little later and we're close on Corey with the exact same big grin as on the billboard. We widen to reveal a teenage boy taking his photo. Thanks, Mr. Pigman. And Principal Waller said you'd never amount to nothing. Trey peeks his head in the front door and speaks in a stereotypical dorky northerner accent. Excuse me, do you serve authentic regional cuisine at this establishment? The group notice him and Katie. Drew, Corey, Paige, and Amber rush over and envelop them in a big group hug. Everyone bobs up and down and screams what sounds like authentic frontier gibberish. Drew boxes everyone out to give Trey a really big hug all by himself, while still awkwardly jumping up and down, even though Trey has stopped. It's good to see you too, Drew. Ballard comes out from behind the bar with a tray of shots of clear liquor, which he sets down on a high top near the group. I thought this occasion called for some of Daddy's recipe. Katie gives him a big hug. Oh, I missed you, Ballard. Missed you too, girl. I hear uh, I hear you guys rented the place next door to mine. That's right. Well, you be safe there. I run with the uh, only neighborhood watch with its own drone fleet. Good to know. Trey raises a shot of moonshine and everyone raises theirs. To friends, family, and bartenders who won't invite me to their improv show. To the Crawfords. To the Crawfords. To the Crawfords. To us, baby. They all down their shots. Everyone but Katie makes a terrible face and grabs their other drink to chase it as quickly as they can. Dear God, why? It just makes no sense. (laughs) Damn you, daddy. Hit me again. Amber pulls Katie over to her and Corey so she can show off her engagement ring. Trey gets a private moment with Paige. He puts his arm around his sister. I talked to Mama. She sounded good. Yeah, she's loving it in Florida. Yeah, well, why wouldn't she? Sunshine, fresh squeezed orange juice, Gotta be in her top five favorite rehabs. I'm surprised you convinced Katie to leave New York. Yeah, well, she's not too gung-ho about it. I mean, Crabapple's not really a mecca for yoga instructors. Not really a mecca for people who use the word mecca either. (laughs) Well, anything that you could do to kind of ease her transition would be much appreciated. Amber and I were already planning a girl's day at my place tomorrow. Well, that'd be perfect. Thank you. Drew yells from across the bar. Trey, come settle something. Starting already. Trey crosses over to Drew, Corey, Amber, and Katie. It is the left. It's the right. What What are y'all even arguing about? <laughs> Dolly Parton's best titty. And Trey is most definitely back home. We fade out. That's the end of the cold open. We're in act one. We're exterior fishing hole. It's day two. Trey, Drew, and Corey are sitting on top of coolers at the edge of a small pond, fishing and shooting the shit. I thought Culpepper went to jail for breeding illegal reptiles. Mm-mm. Drew got him off. Prosecution failed to prove them lizards weren't just copulating of their own volition. A golf ball whizzes over their heads and lands in the pond. We realize that the boys are fishing in the water hazard at a local golf course. A golfer, barefoot in cut-off jeans and a tank top, yells from the distance. Four! Thanks for the timely warning, J.D. <laughs> they all turn back around and continue fishing. <sighs> it's good to be back. 
up north, all anybody ever does at a golf course is play golf. So, uh, what's your first move as city manager going to be? We finally going to be able to drink at a Little League game? I'm actually going to talk to the mayor later today. Uh, tell him I want to get rid of the paddy walk at Heifer Day. What, wait, what? Why, why would you do that? Well, betting on a cow taking a crap in a square, don't you think that that makes us look a little hickish? In front of who? It's just us hicks there. You, you, you cannot do this, Trey. Paddy walk is one of the things that I'm best at. Best at? It's a game of chance. You can't be good at a cow pooping. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I guess I just won it two years in a row because I suck at it. You got incredibly lucky, but there's no skill involved. Maybe not for you. Where's this coming from, Trey? You, you, you never, never had a problem with the paddy walk before. Well, I guess partly, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for Katie. Yeah, that checks out. She was always pretty bad at it. She's just not as excited about coming back here as me. Okay, and I feel like if I can start with this one small thing, small, then small. <laughs> then maybe it'll show her that things really can change around here. And that will make it more likely that this move will be permanent. I mean, y'all want me to stick around, right? Patty Walk is gone. Corey, get over it. <laughs> Fine. We'll just do it at me and Amber's wedding then. And we go to uh, Paige's backyard. Katie and Amber sit in mismatched lawn chairs with their feet in a kiddie pool. They both wear bathing suits and would look like green girdles. Paige comes out with a tray of smoothies. Here you go. Three, they just work fat burn green smoothies. And as a certified, they just work sales rep, I can tell you that a container of fat burn powder is only $39.99, less than $3 a serving. Amber and Katie each take one. Paige takes, Paige takes the other and sits in a third lawn chair. To Redneck Spa Day. To, to Redneck, redneck spa, day. spa Day. This is nice. I forgot how much I missed yards. Yeah, a lot more room for Buddy to play ever since I exploded all them tree stumps. I can't believe how big that boy's getting. I know. I swear it takes me twice as long to check him for ticks now. So what's going on with you and Buddy's dad? He's still selling samurai swords at Dave Matthews concerts. I, I just can't live that life anymore. You seeing anyone else? Nah, this town's too small. I can't get one drink with a guy without Crystal Naylor putting me up on tramp trial at the beauty shop the next day. Yeah, I saw her billboard on the way into town and a chill went down my spine. Amber stands up and imitates Crystal's fake smile from the billboard. Whether it's a house or a trailer, I'm a judgy bitch. Katie laughs, enjoying being with her girls. We're at the Big Dixie grocery store. Corey, Drew, and Trey enter this local grocery store. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Your accent ain't even that thick. <laughs> Maybe not here, but on Wall Street, everybody thought I sounded like a racist banjo. He notices something out of frame. Oh, there's the mayor. All right, let me go handle my business. He approaches a 40-something guy in an apron who's stacking lettuce. Mayor Rick. Trey Crawford. I didn't realize you was back in town already. You don't officially start work till Monday. I know, but I just can't wait to get going. You know, I got so many ideas for Crabapple. She's a small town with a big future. I like the sound of that. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe that could be our slogan. Good idea, except we already got a slogan. Can't go changing that. Really? Because I... He's interrupted I, by a teenage female manager who calls him from across the store. Rick, get back to stacking those lettuces. But I'm doing mayor stuff. <laughs> we love to joke like that. Well, I guess I got to get back to work. See you at Heifer Day. It, what, about that, I was wondering if this year we could uh, maybe eliminate the paddy walk. <laughs> Eliminate the paddy walk I don't think so Oh well we tried Let's go Trey Hold on Hold on 
Mayor, I mean, don't you think betting on bovine defecation makes us look a little backward? The paddy walk was my daddy's favorite event. You say my daddy was backwards? Oh, Coonskin Whitlock, I would never. Drew steps in to try to save Trey. Mayor Rick, I, I believe what Trey is trying to say is that some folks over there in Bug Tussle are laughing at us on account of the paddy walk. Bug Tussle? Laughing at us? Yeah, I was dating a girl up there, and apparently it's some kind of running joke to them. Now, maybe you're okay with letting them think they're better than us. Uh, they already think that ever since they got that woman's prison. You know what? Patty Walk is off. I ain't taking no back seat to bug tussle. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mayor. We'll see you at half a day. Drew and Trey head off with Corey following behind. I guess I'm a little rusty in speaking good, old boy. I got you, dog. Damn smooth talking, no billboard ass having piece of shit lawyer. <laughs> We're back at Paige's backyard. The women are as we left them. Katie touches the green girdle she's wearing. This thing's tangling. Is it supposed to do that? Yeah, that's part of how the they just work, organic body wraps work. That's it, cleansing your toxins and vaporizing your belly fat. You really do a great job of sounding like you believe in this stuff. What do you mean? I, I do believe in it. Most people see results in just two to three weeks and, and all for less than $3 a wrap. Paige, come on. You can't really believe that swaddling yourself in plastic wrap is some miracle weight loss cure. It's not plastic. It's it's They're made of, of seaweed and, and other organic crap. So you seriously believe these things work? Paige starts to get her red up. Amber notices and tries to distract. Mmm, this smoothie's delicious. Do you seriously believe that yoga works? That's different. Why? Just because you need $200 britches to do it? Is there celery in here? I'm tasting celery. Are you really comparing your they just work pyramid scheme to an ancient physical and spiritual practice? Oh, so being old makes it good. Well, wraps and smoothies been around a minute, too. Paige, this smoothie is clearly half Mountain Dew. Oh, maybe that's what I was tasting. It ain't neither. You know what? I knew this would happen. I knew you'd come back here and you'd start acting like you're better than everybody else because you were a snob before you went up north. And now you know what you are. Don't say something you'll regret, Paige. You're nothing but a a Yankee. Katie and Amber gasp. What did you just say? You heard me. Yankee. Katie tears off her wrap. That's it. I'm out of here. As she heads off, Paige's eight-year-old son, Buddy, comes out of the house with an empty Mountain Dew bottle. Mama, who finished all my smart water? I knew it! Get back inside, Buddy. Katie storms <laughs> off. And we're at Trey and Katie's backyard that evening. Trey digs a horseshoe pit in his backyard. There's country music playing. He's got on a sleeveless shirt and has a beer. He hears Katie come in the house and calls to her. Honey! Guess what? I got rid of the paddy walk. I told you people in this town could be reasonable. Katie comes out of the house in a major huff. Her accent is noticeably more pronounced. I'ma whip your crazy sister's ass. What? Why? She called me a Yankee. Just because I dared question the science behind wrapping yourself up like a damn trailer mummy. What? Huh? Uh, honey, just calm down. I'd love to. I'd love to text my weed dealer right now to help me calm down. <laughs> but you made us move back to Mayberry. She goes back in the house. But the... But the paddy walk. He sighs deeply and then casually pitches the horseshoe he's been holding at his newly dug pit and misses badly wide, hurling it instead straight through one of his basement windows, which shatters. And that's the end of act one. Are you getting the most out of your job? Could that whole thing that you do for eight hours a day be better than it is? 
Good question to ask yourself from time to time. Maybe you could do something about it. Whether you're looking for a new opportunity or want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion, how you present yourself is key to taking the next step. The University of Toronto Rotman School of Management is one of the best schools in Canada and the world. It's ranked number 17 for open enrollment executive education by the Financial Times. Rotman's unique virtual executive presence program equips you with tools and tips to engage and influence others. And don't we all want to do that? Don't we want to engage and influence others? Rotman has designed this comprehensive virtual program to work around your current schedule. With Rotman's executive presence, you can balance working from home and being there for your loved ones with building your emotional intelligence and making connections with peers across different industries. So visit uoft.me slash executive presence. That's uoft.me slash executive presence. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E to learn more and apply. Class starts September 15th. So start your application today to save your seat. That's uoft.me slash executive presence. Rotman. Here's where it changes. All right. Summer's here, people. And uh, the food gets really good in summer. I feel like I love summer because I like all the food that gets in season. Um but I don't, I just don't want to have to decide what to make. So here's the answer. I'm going to help you make leading a healthier lifestyle easier than ever. The satisfying home cooked dinners with options that work around your lifestyle, not the other way around. You may have guessed already, but I'm talking about Green Chef. We love Green Chef here at Dead Pilot Society. Everything's handpicked. It's got organic veggies, high quality proteins. It's all delivered to your door, pre-measured mostly prepped and insulated packaging. It's the most sustainable, huh, sorry, it's the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every box. I mean, they're really, the packaging is really, really very environmentally friendly, unlike a lot of other meal delivery services. So you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I'm here with someone who has eaten Green Chef meals, who's, who's gotten deliveries from Green Chef, and that is our incredible associate producer, Noah Findling. Hey there, fans. It's me, Noah. I love Green Chef. Uh, I'm a vegetarian, and and they are are ge- they give you the best vegetarian meals um, and, and very easy to make uh, and also kind of fun meals, you know, things that are like, oh, we're going to do this and this and this and this. That's fun. Let's do that, you know? Um, you know, not- yeah, if I feel like I feel that way too. It's like it's not like it's so dumbed down that it's just like, oh, I just like put a bag and some hot water. And I feel no sense of accomplishment. It's not hard, but you've done something. You've like, yeah. you feel like, oh wow, I cooked. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna make a sauce from scratch with these ingredients. I've never made I've never made a sauce. I'm a sauce guy now. Um, so that's really special. I mean, they have like mushroom and pepper banh mi bowls. I like those. Korean fried rice with kimchi. I'm a big kimchi guy. Harissa tofu sandwich. I mean, and that's, really- some the, that's some of the vegetarian options, which yeah. is great because I feel like I was a vegetarian for many years and the hardest thing was just deciding like what to eat so you're not just eating like french fries and, you know, 
grilled cheese for, for dinner. Yeah. yeah. But this, and if you're not a vegetarian, you want to, I've done it. I've done this sort of, I like to eat mostly plant-based, but not completely. And uh, sesame ginger salmon uh, was delicious. Um, and then on the veggie side, these black bean and sweet potato tacos. I mean, it's just fresh, really great flavors, uh, easy to make. So good. Yeah, they're really easy to make. We And they're, it's kind of a fun date night thing. I make them with my fiance. We have a great time doing it. And it's just nice to like kind of come home and be like, oh, there's there's some pre-planned meals for the week. We don't have to go to the grocery store and say, okay, what are we going to make? It's it's kind of already there. Um, yeah, so and- it eliminates some of, the, uh, some of the fighting that you guys would otherwise be doing all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It may, you may help you, you know, Green Chef may help you actually uh, get to that wedding. Yeah, it may help us. It may help us finally get married whenever we do do that. Uh, you know, it's just nice to have one of those decisions taken out of your life. I mean, you still have to decide because, you know, you get a bunch of meals. Which one are you going to make first? Um, but they all, you know, when I get these boxes, it's always exciting. Everything looks great. Uh, it's all fresh. It's all just feels very clean. Um, you know, this is a great, great meal delivery service. And for you Dead Pilot Society listeners, We've got a pretty awesome offer here. You go to greenchef.com slash 90 dead pilots and you use the code 90 dead pilots to get $90 off. And that's including free shipping. So it's greenchef.com slash 90 dead pilots and use the code 90 dead pilots to get $90 off your first shipment from Green Chef. It's really worth it. It's delicious. Do it. Bon appetit. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before, here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Damn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great. That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. Act two, we're at Ollie's the next day. Trey sits at the bar with Drew and Corey. Ballard wipes down the bar nearby. I can't believe she called her a Yankee. That's like... I mean, that's like the worst word you could call another person. <laughs> is it? He continues wiping down the bar. This is just great. Katie's going to drag you back to New York before me and you even get a chance to go down the river in that tandem inner tube I just bought. What? No, don't worry. We're, we're not going anywhere. I just I just need to get Katie and Paige together on neutral territory so we can make peace. Great idea. We can do it at my place. Your place? You don't even believe in furniture. So? We can sit on the floor. Indians sit on the floor, and they made peace all the time. Let's just do it at my house. Amber's got it set up with all these candles and throw pillows and this little clock that it makes whale noises. And I mean, I hate it, but it's like a Chuck E. Cheese for white women. Trey nods. That could work. And we're at Corey and Amber's house later. Trey, Katie, Drew, and Corey are convened at Corey and Amber's house. It is indeed full of candles and throw pillows. Amber wears an apron that says, pork. Cork, fork, with a check mark beside each one. 
Okay, everyone, here are some jello shots I made. Lime, cherry, whatever this blue one is. You had time to make those before we came over? Nah, we usually got some on hand. Sorry, these are in Dixie cups. I got some nice shot glasses on our wedding registry if anyone feels like taking a look at that. And there's a knock at the door. I wonder who that could be at the door that currently doesn't have the nice underwear doormat from Bed Bath & Beyond that I want. She opens the door. It's Paige looking surly. All right, buddies with my neighbor's mamma. We only got a little while before Anderson Cooper comes on and she gets all twisted up. So I'm ready to hear an apology. Well, actually, I was thinking that maybe we could start with you apologizing to Katie for calling her a Yankee. Why the hell do I have to apologize? She's the one who said my wraps don't work. Because they don't. Yeah. Why would they call the company? They just work if they didn't. Come on, Paige. You got to admit Katie has a point. And there it is right there. You are just as uppity as she is. Corey comes over to get in between Trey and Paige. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, Trey didn't mean no harm. Let's all just suck down some of this booze jelly and hug it out. You're defending him? I guess you didn't hear what he said about y'all's engagement picture, did you? Uh, Hold on. Uh, This ain't got nothing to do with anybody. Paige picks up a nearby framed picture. In it, Corey is spilling out of his old football jersey, doing a Heisman pose while Amber cheers him on in her old cheerleading outfit. He said you look like you were first team All-State in Pekin in high school. Corey and Amber look stung. Drew cackles with laughter. Damn, Trey. Is that what she really thinks? We had a professional photographer do those. She had an iPhone 11 and everything. It was it was a joke. I mean, you know how we're always busting each other's balls? Yes, Trey, but not behind each other's balls, though. Always balls to balls. You've changed, man. <laughs> Corey grabs a plate of ham and starts to walk up the stairs. Dude, come back. Babe, what are you doing with that ham? This is my bedroom ham, and you know that! Amber goes to calm Corey down. All right, I'm out. This was fun. Paige leaves. Katie fumes. Trey stands there wondering what the hell just happened. Drew gestures to the room. Guess all this furniture didn't help much, did it? We're at Trey and Katie's house later. They enter. I told you your sister was crazy. Now she's turned Corey against you. Look, I know it's been kind of a rocky re-entry, but it's going to be fine, babe. Paige will see reason, and Corey... He won't stay mad. I'll get Ballard to name a sandwich after him or something. This place is just as small-minded and ignorant as when we left it. Nothing's going to change. That's not true. That's not true. I, I got rid of the paddy walk, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, that's just the beginning. I can get the slogan changed. I'm going to get a brewery and bike pass and short films. and It's going to be great. Okay? Just, just trust me. Okay. I trust you. She kisses him. That picture did make Corey look like Caillou having a midlife crisis. And we go to a cow pasture the next day. Trey and Drew walk through a field. Trey looks determined. I ain't been able to get a hold of him since yesterday. He texted me I could find him here. They walk over to Corey, who is sitting on a fence post, staring into the distance. Corey freezes him out. Hey, man. What you doing? Drew, can you tell Trey that he's disturbing my concentration as I am currently training for the paddy walk? Trey follows Corey's gaze and sees that he is studying the movements of a cow out in the pasture. What are you talking about? I canceled the paddy walk. Mm Mm-hmm. And I put it back on. The cow walks a bit. Corey takes out a small notebook and makes a notation. What? How? Drew, please tell Trey that I'm a person of influence in this town and that I did not, in fact, peak in high school. 
Oh, come on, man. I told you that getting rid of that was important to Katie. Drew, tell Trey that he's upsetting Betsy and I'd like him to leave. Tension constricts her bowels. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. You know what? Have fun with your cow, okay? Maybe she's got a jersey that would actually fit you. He walks off. Drew stares at Corey with pure contempt. Petulantly, he grabs a notebook out of Corey's hand and throws it into the pasture. He gives Corey one more glare and then follows after Trey. And that's the end of Act 2. Act 3, we're at Trey and Katie's house. In the den, Katie has candles lit and new age music plays as she does a sun salutation, trying to relax. As she exhales, finding some peace, she's interrupted by rapid fire gunshots. What the hell? She peeks outside and sees Ballard standing in his backyard with his seven-year-old granddaughter. She has pigtails and is dressed mostly in pink. She's holding an assault rifle. Morning. Ballard, uh, uh, what are you doing? My grandbaby's first time with the carbon barrel and a hundred round drum. It's fun. Katie clearly doesn't know what to say. Trey pops through the back door at this moment, having just gotten back. Ah, oh, there you are. Morning, Ballard. Uh, can I talk to you for a second? He drags Katie into the den and shuts the door behind them. You were right. We never should have come back to this place. Nothing but hillbillies and cows and children with machine guns. Oh, phew. Okay. I thought for a second that didn't even register for you. Of course it registered. It's lunacy. This place is the lunacy capital of the world. What happened? Corey got the paddy walk put back on. He just waved his salty, grease-covered hands and undid the only modicum of progress that I've made. I told you nothing was ever going to change around here. Yeah, you were right. I was stupid to think that it would. So, what are we going to do, hon? He thinks for a beat and then... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Hefferday and tell the mayor that either the paddy walk goes or I do. Are you sure about this? There are more staccato gunshots from outside. Look at that grouping. Pop, pop. Okay, let's do it. And we go to the festival grounds later. Hefferday is in full swing. There are booths set up everywhere offering food, carnival games, plates with race car drivers' faces on them, etc. There's a petting zoo and a janky cow mascot wearing overalls and scaring children. Trey and Katie look up at a big banner over the entrance that reads, Welcome to Hefferday. Get your move on. All right, I'm going to make my way through this nightmare and find the mayor. You want to come with me? Nah, if I have to be here, I'm at least going to eat some heart attack food. Good luck, baby. Trey moves on with a head of steam. Katie walks over to an area with some food stands. She sees one that advertises deep fried goo-goo clusters and makes a beeline for it. Now that is what I'm talking about. She steps up to order just as the vendor puts up a sold out sign. She sighs in frustration. On Trey as he walks, scanning the crowd for the mayor. A townsperson, Wally, comes up beside him on a riding mower. He speaks in a rapid and pronounced backwoods accent. Trey, hot damn, boy. Good to see you back, man. Dang, I about fell out when I heard we was getting somebody who can get some damn changes mount around here. Yeah, well, Wally, you might be the only one. Nah, that ain't it. Everybody's talking about how you gonna bring this town up to speed. We got that railway sitting there just collecting snakes. Why ain't that a bike trail, man? Dang. <laughs> Trey is shocked that this guy is so on board with his agenda. On Katie, who has now successfully purchased some chocolate-covered bacon on a stick, she takes a bite and blissfully chews. She continues walking and runs straight into Crystal Naylor, the realtor from the billboard. She's dressed like she's going to the Kentucky Derby. Katie Crawford. Oh, great. 
Hey, Crystal! I heard y'all were back in town. Sorry New York didn't work out for you. Yeah, thanks. Listen, it ain't nothing to be ashamed of. I know you made such a big deal of it when you moved up there, but I'm sure nobody remembers that. Katie bites her tongue, trying not to take the bait. I guess we're lucky to have you back here with us simple country folk. <laughs> but uh, it has been a big surprise to everybody. We all assumed that you'd fit right in up there. Those Yankees, all they think they're better than us. Just like y'all always did. Crystal laughs like she's just said something adorable. Katie looks defeated by this alpha Southern belle, but then... Oh, you shut your $5 mouth. Katie turns around to see Paige in full attack dog mode. Drew and Amber are behind her. I'm sorry? You bow to be. You know why Katie thinks she's better than you? Because she is. She don't need to plaster her strip mob Botox face all over a bunch of billboards to prove it, neither. Katie is stunned that Paige has come to her defense. Katie ain't never pretended to be something she's not, and you can't stand it with your fake-ass purge and your fake-ass smile. You better go on somewhere before you get a real-ass ass whipping. Uh, well, I... You go on or your next billboard they'll have to Photoshop in your teeth. Crystal huffs and leaves. Angle on Drew and Amber. Drew is staring at Paige. Is it just me, or was that the hottest thing you've <laughs> ever seen? Ew, Drew, she's Trey's sister. But yeah... <laughs> Drew keeps staring at Paige. It's clear he's now looking at her in a new light. Back on Katie and Paige. I don't get it. Don't you agree with her? Kind of, but she ain't allowed to say it. She ain't family. Wow. I don't know what to say. Thank you, Paige. Look, I knew coming back here wasn't your idea and you'd rather be in New York, but... No, I wouldn't. No one in New York would have ever had my back like that. There was a lot I loved about that place, but it wasn't home. Katie smiles. Paige smiles back, and they hug. Buddy runs up holding a box turtle whose shell is painted with a red, white, and black number eight. Mama, Shell Earnhardt Jr. won the turtle race. <laughs> We're on Trey, who is still with Wally, but has now been joined by some other townspeople in a spirited discussion. And if we can get a state park designation for Burgess Falls, our outdoor recreation industry will take off. Yeah, man, makes sense to me. Hell, I... Even like your idea about having that festival for tiny movies. I mean, I really think that could be. Wait a minute. How'd you know I was thinking about a short film festival? Your buddy, Corey, he, he'd been talking, talking you and your plans up to anyone who listened. Hell yeah. Dang, man. The way that boy's been selling you, you think you's a Christmas, Sam. We see this sink in with Trey. We're in the parking lot moments later. The parking lot's been marked off into a grid of numbered squares for the paddy walk. Betsy the cow waits in a chute next to the lot. Corey stands next to her, stroking her back. Trey walks up on the other side of the cow. Hey, Betsy. Corey does not acknowledge Trey's presence. Will you, uh, will you tell Corey how sorry I am about that dumb joke I made and that he in no way peaked in high school? Corey keeps stroking Betsy, but glances over at Trey like... Go on. And will you also tell him that if I can get the people in this town to like and respect me half as much as they do him, then I'll be doing all right. There's a beat as Corey considers this. He walks around to Trey's side of Betsy. Listen, Trey, Betsy told me what you said and uh, <clears throat> get in here, baby. <laughs> he pulls Trey into a hug. Katie, Paige and Drew approach. Guess y'all made up. 
A lovable cow brought us together. Huh. A hateful one did it for us. But what about the paddy walk? Trey looks over to Corey, then back to Katie, tentative. Um, would you be real mad if it were still to happen after all? Katie takes a beat considering and then with a big smile. Oh, hell no. Come on, let's all go watch this cow shit. We time dissolve to a little later. The whole town is now gathered around the parking lot. Mayor Rick is at the podium. And I'd like to thank the Cumberland Creek Retirement Home for providing today's security. And we angle on a couple of frail old guys with orange safety vests and VFW hats who salute the mayor. Now, before we begin today's main event, I'd like to welcome someone. Someone who's going to prove to everyone that Crabapple is a small town with a big future. People applaud. Trey registers surprise at the mayor using his slogan. Citizens of Crabapple, how about a hand for our new city manager, Trey Crawford? The crowd cheers loudly and applauds Trey. Katie beams at him. Mayor Rick waves, up to, waves him up to the podium. Somewhat reluctantly, but encouraged by the gang, he heads up there. Um, thank you for that warm welcome back. Um, I ain't got much to say other than, come on, lucky number 18. Let the paddy walk begin. Someone opens a gate and lets Betsy into the parking lot. Trey rejoins the gang as they intently watch the cow's progress. Corey watches silently, completely in the zone. So what squares y'all got? Corey's got 22. I did not buy a square as I do not play games of chance. Come on, number six. Lucky number 69. Corey breaks his silence to give Amber a kiss. I love you, baby. He returns to his zen state. The cow walks past squares and then comes to a stop. She's stopping. Wait, 22? Ain't that Corey square? You've got to be kidding me. He looks over to Corey, who still betrays no emotion. Hold on, she's moving. The cow moves off of square 22. All right, now we're talking. There's still no reaction from Corey. The cow walks a bit farther, then stops on square 20 and drops her load. Yes, number 20, not 22. I told you you can't be good at this. Mayor Rick reapproaches the podium, consulting a list. <clears throat> okay, folks, the holder of square 20 and the winner of this year's paddy walk is Drew Norton. Trey, Katie, Amber, and Paige look confused. Drew even more so. What? I didn't buy a ticket. How? Drew looks over at Corey, who hands him the winning ticket with a self-satisfied wink. Son of a... And that's the end of Act 3. We're in the tag. We're in Paige's backyard. The camera pans across Paige, Amber, and Katie. They're all in the mismatched lawn chairs and are wearing bathing suits and the green they just work wraps. The camera continues to pan to reveal Trey, Drew, and finally Corey. They're all in bathing suits and wearing the wraps as well. Everyone has a green smoothie. How are the smoothies? Good. Really cuts the taste of Ballard's daddy's recipe. He pours some clear liquor into the glass. This thing sure feels funny. That's it working, Corey. You've just got a lot of belly fat to vaporize, honey. But it burns! It burns! Hey, Paige, uh, you got any of these for heads? Because Corey very needs one. And the group laughs and keeps drinking and enjoying the southern sunshine. And we fade out. End of show. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Definitely come back next week for my conversation with Trey, Corey, and Drew. 
Uh, it's a really, it's a fun one. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host, Ben Blacker, and our associate producer, Noah Findling. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Uh, tell a friend about us. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilot Spot, on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. All right, everybody. Find a way to help someone. Be nice to yourself. Wear a mask when appropriate. And stay safe out there. Until next time, I am Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.